needed to change in out-of-home care in the future. The young people, when they came back with their kind of co-designed solutions, basically to a person, the global experts who have spent 20 or 30 or 40 years researching, developing policy in this space said, what you said is what needs to happen. Hi there, we're your hosts, Lee and Brendan. We hope you're doing well. In today's Living Care podcast, we'll be interviewing Jan Owen. Jan has spent her career working at the intersection of individual, organisational and social, societal change as an innovator, influencer and thought leader. Jan has been the recipient of many awards, acknowledging her commitment to social change, children and young people and services to the Australian community. Her prior leadership uh, roles include CEO of the Foundation for Young Australians, Executive Director of Social Ventures Australia, and also founder and CEO of the Create Foundation. So it's a privilege to have you today, Jen. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Jen, just to kick it off, um, in your school or early work experience, was there a teacher or a significant adult that influenced you? And, and if there was, why? Thank goodness there was. Um, her, na- her name is Sister Marie. Um, I was at the last school that my parents threatened, if you, if you fail or get kicked out of this school, because it was the third school, high school, uh, you'll be going to that very big convent up on the hill with very high walls <laughs> and barbed wire across the top. So it's like, this is your last option before basically school jail. Um, and so I spent my whole couple of years there basically dodging school and I would sign in and then I would kind of disappear. Um, and most of the teachers were okay with that because I was so disruptive. So they were kind of like, she signed in, she must be here somewhere. Um, but one teacher um, who was, of course, then I thought she was terribly old. I think she was like 24. <laughs> one, one teacher who was like a new nun, because this was a Catholic girls' school, um and she was young and she was doing her phd in education and i must say this school which were the brigidine sisters were incredible because they were the um order that were very committed to education so they all every nun no matter what age they were um were kind of doing a phd or a master like they were amazing educators very very highly educated um but she just sister marie just decided (laughs) that i maybe wasn't the lost cause that everyone else had decided i was and she just invested she didn't try to teach me anything because clearly I was unteachable, um, but she just invested time um, and she would just spend time with me and she would, you know, just if she would see me sort of sitting outside the school gate when I was meant to be inside the school gate, she would come and just sit next to me. And she, I think she also was a bit of a buffer between me and like the school system, which was pretty annoyed with me most of the time Um, and every idea I had because I was one of those kids that actually did nothing academically but actually did a bunch of things non-academically for my school which also benefited the school so she kind of very much encouraged that so um, I got to finally my school after like 30 years invited me back 
which I, I thought they would never invite me back. But they did invite me back to do the, you know, the speech night, speech, that speech. Yeah. And um, Sister Marie, who had left the school a long time ago as well, um, we both went to Brisbane where I had grown up. I was in Melbourne then. She was also in Melbourne by then. And she was in the audience and I got to honour oh, and thank her in oh, the wow. most profound way for the values of kind of integrity and um, kind of sticking with people and being um, just that person that just held those values just every day in every way and held them for me in a very real way. And she was sitting in the front row and it was all very, I feel emotional thinking about it now actually, because she was amazing. Yeah. And so, I, you know, we, we met each other a long time later. And then I realized she's not that much older than me. <laughs> Which is so weird when you're a teenager, you're like everyone older than you is like ancient. It and is yeah. so true. Yeah, yeah, no, he yeah. was like 24 year old, amazing young educator. Yeah. What an impact, um, Jan. Wow. What an impact. That's incredible. So somebody, somebody like like her who took the time to sit with you, even though um everybody else had given you the whole wide berth, thinking that it's and then it just took that mm -hmm. one person. Yeah. And I've always thought that about, you know, um, children, young people in care, but I've just always seen that story as well, that actually it was one person, just one person that stuck and, and you have to stick with them. It's not like a, it was never kind of a, you know, for, I think for people who maybe have had sort of, you know, more normalised <laughs> upbringings, that people coming in and out of your life is sort of fine and you might go, oh, I met that person, they're amazing. But actually if you haven't had that, then the one person who sticks with you, who stays with you through that, through thick and thin, is everything. They are everything to you. Um, and they could be the school bus driver for all I care. You know, they don't have to be some amazing qualified PhD. Yeah. Uh, they could be a young teacher. They could be a volunteer or a mentor. Yeah. Um, but I've heard it over and over again, Lee and Brendan. It's just always stuck with me. It's like that one person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so meaningful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we've heard that with a couple of young people that shared with us on the podcast, but that we know of, mm -hmm. and we stuck with. They said mm -hmm. there was that one person, that one leaving care worker, or that mm -hmm. one um, person that was a mentor that took me out for dinner. And exactly. yeah, and thank you yeah. for that. And um, wow, that that was great. I um, I think that leads to to sort of a question later on but I want to ask you about youth empowerment because that was my next question um, but uh, can you tell us about youth empowerment and when it's done well what's it look like because we'd love to learn from you coming into that wouldn't we yes I think I think there's a I think we've been I was thinking about this the other day because um, I'm doing some work now in education learning with um or actually in a whole lot of different spaces with young people and I remember when we set up create in Australia, it was the same time, by the way, that Inspire Foundation was set up that runs Reach Out, the mental health platform. Oh, so right. Jack Heath and I were these, were very much considered these very kind of maverick outliers, like how on earth and who do you think you are that you are asking young people themselves for their 
view. So this was, and we were, honestly, it was, although there was rhetoric around it, there might even have been some policies about asking young people, but definitely nobody was enacting them. And Jack and I used to sit there and say, you know, we are in so much trouble. I was fine with that because I spent my whole life in trouble. I think Jack might not have spent so much time in trouble. He's like, how come I'm in trouble? Um, But, you know, we were sort of these two not-for-profit startup organisations um, and we basically said you have to centre the lived experience of young people in policy and practice. In the case of Create, it was in out-of-home care and that entire trajectory. In the case of Jack's work, it was the earliest work ever in Australia about mental health and wellbeing. Um, And so we, and I'm really grateful actually that I met Jack very early because that journey that we went on, particularly when, um, particularly government officials were very, very, very dismissive. Um, We actually could share with each other and I think that, alleviated that sense of like are we crazy and that yeah. kind of just yeah. loneliness of the startup founder <laughs> because we were going on similar trajectories and similar paths and then I wind forward to fast forward 20 years plus and last just before COVID hit when that world was that world um, I was sitting in Italy um, in Lake Como at a place called Bellagio where the Rockefeller Foundation from the U.S has a retreat center. And I was fortunate enough, privileged enough to be facilitating two groups of people who we brought together. Um, One group of international experts in research, not-for-profit, UN, World Health Organization, you name it. And then a group of young people from across the world, 15 of them. And we were talking about what needed to change in out-of-home care in the future. And we had an integrated, intergenerational expert lived experience um, week, basically, where we did a bunch of co-design work to think about what do we need to be thinking about globally as we enter this decade. Um, And it was the most powerful thing. And I can tell you the two groups work separately and they work together. Um, The young people, when they came back with their kind of co-design solutions, basically to a person, the global experts who have spent 20 or 30 or 40 years researching, developing policy in this space said, what you said is what needs to happen to the young people. Oh my God. And and I thought about that journey with Create and those first days when we got 150 young people in the room from across Australia, even they were blown away. And they said, who are these other 150 young people? And we said, they're all young people who are in care or out of care. And they said, what do you mean? I thought I was the only one. And then we said, no, there's actually 40,000 others of you. And then that whole journey with Create of bringing those young people and their lived experience into policy, into practice. And then fast forward to Bellagio, Lake Como in Italy with young people from around the world talking about, and talking about care in the future because care in the future also has a level of complexity. So for instance, we were talking about climate migration and how young people will will find themselves without parents through the process of um, whole geographies, islands and places that are very threatened by climate change 
um, and find themselves in situations where they actually are not with their parents. And what will have to happen and what will that mean for a generation of young people coming into kind of care from a very different perspective? Absolutely, mm. from the effects of climate change. Wow. 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 So, you yeah. know, that, that, you know, the, that shows, you know, the, the uh, importance of young people and their voice, you know, doesn't, you know, like to, to come against, you know, some these researchers of 30, 40 years and policymakers. And mm. that's probably the first time they've been exposed to that almost together. together. Um, well, definitely in that way. I mean, I, you know, we hope that everyone now, and the one thing I do know is that lived experience is now um, at least articulated into lots of policy and, you know, as you, you both know, co-design and human-centred design and our practices that we use to bring that lived experience in the room. Um, but it was still hard and we still had to argue for it. We didn't have to argue for it anything like as hard as 25 years ago, which is yeah. great, thank goodness. I mean, thank yeah. goodness that's changed. But we yeah. still have a long way to go. So, Lee, when I think about youth empowerment, um, I'm, I'm pretty disinterested in sort of more consultation. Like we consulted young people. Many, many people yeah. say that. My question is how did young people help co-create and co-design the solutions that you're speaking about from their own lived experience. It's not that they have all the answers, but they are the element now that has been missing across policy and practice for hundreds of years, probably. And we need to center that. And so increasingly we're seeing in education in care in a whole bunch of environments, this centering of lived experience. And um, I won't now go and do any work for or with anyone unless that lived experience is part of the, the model yeah. and approach. And I just want to say to our listeners, um, Jan's such a passionate advocate for young people. Yeah. And if you um, are a young person that has a care experience, we'd literally love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, not just for this podcast, but also for what we're building next year. Yeah. Exactly what we're talking about co-design and um, having a sense of having that um, lived experience piece speaking to young people that are in care right now transitioning yeah. and changing changing the um, dialogue so we really want to do that and we want to thank Jan bye Jan and um, we'll see you thank next you so much for having me. oh that was great we just interviewed Jan Owen and yeah. um, what an experience the goal of young people and what I got from that and I guess some of the key things that um, Jan said was it's really important to have young people right in the centre, yeah. wasn't it? And it was incredible not just to have um, come in and um, consult, do this, but just to have them there from start to finish.